fill this room with your presence, your power, your anointing. Let the entrance of your word bring clarity to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 26. From verse 9 to verse number 16. Acts chapter 26. From verse 9 to verse 16. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I was from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. Acts chapter 26, verse 9. I am reading. My version is slightly different, isn't it? My version is, what's my version called? My version is something, but I like it. It's a nice version. It's New International Version. I like it. That's why I'm reading it. Where am I? Verse. I should start again. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that was just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I was, I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I, was, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard my vo a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is, I, it is hard for you to kick against the gods. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen and you will see and what you will see of me. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. I want us to talk about the transformation of Paul for ministry. The transformation of Paul for ministry. Sorry? It's still the same topic. I'm just transformation for ministry. And today the subtopic is transformation of Paul 
for ministry. So we're dealing with a specific person under this, the broad topic of transform for ministry. Hallelujah. So we all know the story of Paul. He was a persecutor of Christians. He, the Bible says that he hated Christians. He says that I was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the Christians, and that is what I did. He was putting uh, Christians in prison. He was moving from one city to the other with the intention of making sure that he caused much havoc. Amen. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says that, as for Saul, this is the, the, the summary of Saul. That as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. That was the guy. That was the guy. Now, how did that guy move from somebody who was persecuting Christians to become the chief apostle, if you like? The one who took the gospel to the Gentiles, the one who wrote a third of the New Testament, the one who, it must, there must have been a total transformation. Are you with me? There must have been a great transformation of this guy to move him from where he was, the extreme opposite to the other side where he now became the chief carrier of the gospel. Hallelujah. And you see, if God can use Paul, God can use you. I don't think any one of us were uh, or are obsessed into persecuting and killing and taking people into prison and punishing them. Even in prison, even in prison, he voted for their death. This that was how passionate this guy was against the gospel, against the people that preached the gospel. So if God could transform this guy from such an extremist to become extreme for Jesus, extreme for God, then God can do the same with you. The process is what we are going to look at. Are you with me? Because God is not a respecter of persons. If he did it for Saul and turned him to Paul, God can do the same for you and turn into something better. Amen. God can take anyone from, you know, some people say that, Really, you can't, a leopard cannot change his spot. There's a scripture I saw in the Bible, Jeremiah 13, verse 23. It says that can a black man change his color and become white? Can a leopard change his spot? <laughs> Put that scripture up. Say, forget about the Ethiopian. It's, it's, it's a black man. Say that can a black man change his skin? Or can a leopard change its spots? Neither can you. No, no. Okay, can African. <laughs> so it's a message. The message is that can an African change skin? Can a leopard get rid of its spot? So what are the odds of you doing good? You who are so long practiced in what? Evil. You know, like this, this particular scripture is almost fighting against what we are talking about. He's saying that we cannot change. We cannot change. Who you are is who you will be. A leper cannot change his spots. 
An African cannot change his skin. So, you can also not change. Then I saw another verse that's even worse than this. Shall I show you? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 22. He said, it doesn't matter the soap you use to clean your skin. You will not change. <laughs> Jeremiah 2 22. He says that scrub using the strongest soap. Scratch your skin raw. The skin grease won't come out. I can't stand to look even, to, I can't stand to even look at you. God decrees. Hallelujah. The soap will not even wash you clean. Now, I know you say, though you wash yourself with soap and you use abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. What this one is saying, that you cannot wash yourself and be transformed. But I also read a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, everything has become what? New. I, I'm trying to Look, look at both sides. The reason why a lot of people don't think that they are good enough for ministry is because they feel that their past is still with them. They feel that they, they have gone too far to be used by God. They don't feel qualified to stand in, behind the sacred desk to be used by God. They don't feel qualified to, because they remember what they have done. They remember, have you not realized that some people, they won't even come to church because they feel that they are too sinful. They feel that God will not accept them. But I just came to encourage you that even if God can use somebody like Saul, then God can use you. I don't think any one of us here has murdered as yet. But even if you have murdered, I don't think you have killed as many people as Saul. Because Saul didn't kill just one person. He said that I made it my passion to kill people. Isn't that what Saul said? That was what, you see, that, this was what Paul, Saul was saying himself. In Acts 26, he was saying it. In Acts chapter 9, they were describing what happened. But I don't want us to look at what the, somebody wrote about him. I want us to look at what he himself said. He said, I made it my mission to go from city to city to kill people. That was his mission. If God could use such a person and transform him, God can definitely use you. Hallelujah. Don't write yourself out. Don't write yourself off. Don't make yourself, oh, I can only come up to this point and I can't go beyond. Some of us, we have put in our minds that we can only do up to a certain point and beyond that point, God can't use us anymore. You are the one I came for tonight. Hallelujah. Now all of us qualify to be used by God tremendously. All of, I, all of us qualify to be used by God. To become great in the house of God. To become great in the hands of God. To become somebody that God can transform. Not just wash your skin, but God can transform you. Hallelujah. Am I in the right church? Am I talking to the right congregation? 
I don't want any of us to think that we are not good enough. Transformation is something that happens from the inside out. Amen. We talked about coming out the head first, isn't it? In Ezekiel 36, 36, 26, it says that God will give you a new heart. He will take the heart of stone from you and put a heart of flesh inside of you. That is all that is needed for transformation for ministry. Your heart changing. And that changing happens when you get born again. When you submit your life or put your surrender your life to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and personal savior, he gives you a heart transplant. It is not the heart in your chest, but your core, your, 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 your thoughts, your focus is, can, is transformed at salvation. Amen. And that is the prerequisite. That's the only thing you need. Once he said, I'll give you a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of... Put the scripture, don't put my face. Anytime we're reading the Bible, don't put my face. Put the scripture. Put a, a, a heart of flesh and give you a heart of... Take out the heart of flesh and give you a new heart, isn't it? That is all we need. So we are going to look at a couple of the characteristics of the source transformation. The first thing I want us to look at was faith. He said in um, as we are still in Acts twenty six. He said that I was on my journey in the middle of the day. And then the light, which was brighter than the noonday, shone at me. Verse 13. And we fell to the ground. Verse 14. And I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the priest. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant. Now, he must have believed in that voice. Otherwise, transformation wouldn't start. I don't know whether you understand. He said, I am Jesus. Remember, he was persecuting people that preached in the name of Jesus. Because as far as he was concerned, Jesus was a fake. Jesus was not what he called himself to be. He said that he is the son of God. The, the chief priests didn't believe him. The Pharisees didn't believe him. The Sadducees didn't believe in him. So they employed people like Saul or people like Paul to go around to catch all those people who believed in Jesus. Then this voice appears to him and speaks to him. And immediately, the Bible says that he believed the name of Jesus. So real transformation came to Saul when he put his faith in Jesus. Amen. On the way to Damascus to kill Christians, he heard a voice and that voice was... Do you know that it is not just Paul who hears voices? How many have heard voices? You heard a voice. 
of God in a dream or something. Yeah. But what is the difference between that voice that you heard and the voice that Saul or Paul heard? Is the faith he had in the voice. For some, some of us, we hear, but we don't believe in it. We hear, but we don't have as much faith. That is why transformation is difficult. That's why transformation in your life is not as real. Like I'm speaking now. Can you hear the voice of Jesus in my, in my voice? Can you hear Jesus speaking to you yourself, you through my voice? Or you are hearing somebody just talking? That faith is what transforms people. I don't know whether I'm making sense to you. The difference between Saul and probably you or I is the level of faith we have in the voice. That spoke to us. The voice that preached to us. The voice that is speaking to us. The level of faith that we have in the voice is what will bring total transformation. Or not. Sometimes you believe but you don't believe so you can have partial transformation. Sometimes you believe in person but it's not, you are not very convinced. So you don't, you see, the reason why a lot of people, especially those of us who are very phlegmatic, those of us who are very either phlegmatic or very sanguine, it's very difficult for us to go far with God. It's because our belief system is very restricted. I don't know whether I'm making sense. We restrain ourselves because we feel, oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. But I don't think about that. I see the people are very like choleric or melancholic. When they believe something, you can't shake it off them. Because they go in with their heart. You know, melancholic people think deeply into things. They are very passionate people. Cholerics can be very passionate. Sanguines can be very passionate about something, but it doesn't last. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? But when you get somebody who is very, very hard to say, that Paul says something that I am persuaded. I am fully persuaded. It means that I'm beyond conviction. I've gone too deep that you cannot bring me out. I don't know whether I'm making sense to somebody. See, the key to our transformation to be usable by God is faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone that comes to him must know that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, without having a level of faith, I mean, faith has levels. Amen? Faith has different colors, different shades. Pastor Sam used to have colors for church members. I don't know what color. He gives, but he has certain colors. When you are a certain color, it means that you are a fully persuaded church member. That one, he doesn't chase you. He will never call you. He will never... <laughs> I don't know what color it is. I don't really want to know. It's purple. Okay. So, in his, in his chat, if you are purple, then he doesn't bother with you. So, people like Pastor Gloria... <laughs> people like that, they are purple, so they don't call, he doesn't get phone calls. He doesn't do visits, isn't it? Then after purple is what? Green. So green is also, they are doing well, they are powerful, but 
He will not bother with you. Occasionally, he will give you a call to see if you're okay because he's, you are persuaded but not so, not, you're not purple, but you are green. Then from green is what? Yellow. Yellow is what? Yellow is like, now you see me, now you don't see me. You are there, but you are not really there. So I'm telling you what he told me. I don't know where. He has grouped them into colors. You have seen the colors, yeah. So he asked, everybody has, so after church, ask him what color am I? He will tell you your color. So if your color is not good, then change, promote yourself to another color. Then, then from green, what? From yellow to red. Red, that means that we have to come to your house every day. Otherwise, we won't see you. There are some two, are, there's some married people are black. <laughs> Those are beyond. That's how faith is. You see, the, the, the colors we are talking about is the same as faith. So the purple type of color of faith is the ones that God uses. The ones that God can take and use to the maximum. And my prayer for all of us is that we'll become that purple color in our faith. Hallelujah. So we are not just, you see, it's, it's a shame to be here and not be fully persuaded. It's a shame to be a Christian and not be all out. It is better for us to become fully persuaded or not at all. Uh, it is, I wish you were cold or hot. But because you are neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you are lukewarm. You are, you, are, you are green. Is it green? Yellow. You are yellow. You are yellow going towards red. What are you wasting your time for? Because in church, in the church, you are not fully accepted. In the world, you are not fully accepted. You are like we know you in the church. We know you in the nightclub. We know you in the church. We know you at the pub. You are here, but you are not really here. Mm, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. In, 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 listen to what he says. In 1 Timothy 1.40, he said, The grace of our Lord was poured out to me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So Paul is saying that I had not only just a level of faith or a level of love, but I had abundant faith. 1 Timothy 1.14 I had abundant faith. I had abundant, exceedingly abundant faith. Can you see it? The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. Hallelujah. So it's the, the amount of faith you have in him is what informs your transformation. Hallelujah. The amount of faith the disciples had in Jesus was what moved them from disciples to apostles. Remember, there were some who were still with Jesus, but they were never apostles when Jesus left. Because even though they believed, they didn't believe to a certain, a certain point. In fact, there were those who were not around Jesus, like his brother James. He was never there. 
But when Jesus was crucified and went and came, he resurrected. His faith in his brother became so great that he was transformed from somebody who really didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus was alive to become an apostle. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. So the level of the faith you have in Jesus is what transforms you. Mark chapter 11, verse 20, 24. It says that now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter remembering said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. Hallelujah. Believe. Have faith. See, that belief system, that faith is what transforms. Hallelujah. We all believe in Jesus, but to varying degrees. We all believe in the word of God, but to varying degrees. And to the level of degree of your belief that you have in Jesus, that informs your usability. Yeah, I don't know whether my English is making sense. Hallelujah. It is, it is, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that if you are in this room, you have come too far to be yellow in your faith. Oh, I didn't get an amen there. Let me say it again. If you are in this room on a Wednesday night, I think you have come too far to be a yellow in your faith. So I'm trying to encourage you to go deeper in your faith with God. Not with a man. But in your personal work with God. There's no point in you going so near and not entering. <clears throat> There's no point in you being here and not being fully persuaded. There's no point in you having faith only up to this point and not taking the plunge so that God can fully have access to you. Hallelujah. Because I am persuaded that the problem God is having with us is the level of accessibility we have given him. Um, you know, can I say it again? Like, you have um, you have a workbook you are using, but it's password protected. So you can go to this page and work on this page. But there are certain pages that has been password protected that Jesus has not been given access to in your heart. That is why he cannot go into that page to rewrite. Uh, I don't know whether I'm, I'm making sense. 
Do you understand? It's like a, a house. You have given him the living room. He can go to the living room. He can have access to the living room. He can go to the kitchen occasionally. But you haven't given him access to your, your bedroom or your bathroom. You don't, he can't cross to go upstairs. You know when somebody can come to your room, your, your bedroom, to sit on your bed, they have a certain level of relationship with you. I remember one day a pastor came to our house and we moved our bed, our bedroom, our master bedroom and gave it to the person to sleep in. It's because we have a certain relationship with him. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because if it was just anybody, we will not give him our bedroom. We'll give him another room. Do, do you get it? So for, 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 for some of us here, my question to you is that what bedroom have you given Jesus? <clears throat> it is okay to welcome him. We, I think we've all welcomed him to a living room. It's, it's okay to welcome him to go towards the kitchen. That's fine. But have you given him access into certain areas? Because that is what will transform you. Hallelujah. That's what transformed you totally to become like a Paul. Paul gave everything. There was no place that was out of bounds for Jesus. I am fully persuaded. No man, no man in heaven and earth can. In, in Romans chapter, chapter 8, 36, now, what shall separate me? What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall persecution, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall darkness, shall poverty. No, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We are killed all day long, but we don't, we, we are not moved. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. This was a man who was persuaded, who had, who had full faith in God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 to 31. So he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind so boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Some of us will take the first step, probably the second step. Then situations bring the doubt. The shakings make us doubtful. And so we begin to sink. And that is why he cannot use us past a certain point. Because as for situation to shake your faith, it is always next door. I always say that he's the first in history to see the wind. Because the wind is not something you see. You feel it. You don't see it. But Peter saw the wind. Have you seen that scripture? That when he saw the wind, he saw the wind. And that made him afraid. Some things make us lose faith. Some things make us lose our total trust. 
And that is how come we are not fully usable. But tonight, I want to assure you that it doesn't matter what wind blows. It doesn't matter what shakings come. Be fully persuaded. I say be fully persuaded. Let your heart be total so that your transformation can be complete. There's no point in you coming this far and not, you know, it's like Paul says that he was not alone. That heard the voice. That had the same encounter. How come the rest are not known? It means the rest did not believe what Paul believed. The rest didn't have as much faith as Paul did. Because if Paul was a captain of the persecutors, it means Paul was the most wicked. The one who should be least persuaded was, if you watch Chinese films like me, the, 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 the wicked person, the, the killer is always the last to die. <laughs> Isn't that true? The wicked person is always the last to die. So it means that he must be the last to be converted, not the first. So what happened to the others who were with him? Their faith was not fully persuaded. And so they were not fully transformed or used. The second thing <clears throat> is fervor in worship or service. When you go to, when you say fervor, it's not favor. F-E-R-V-O-U-R. Passion. Passion. Bible says that in Acts chapter 9, it says that when he left this place, he went to a city called, a street called Straight, and he stayed with a certain guy. And the Bible said, for three days and three nights, he ate or drank nothing. He spent three days in prayer. Amen. Fever means energy, passion, or drive. Supplications means prayer. The Bible said he was fever in supplication or fever in service. It's a characteristic of transformation. It's a key to transformation. How passionate are you in what you are doing? The level of your passion is synonymous to your usability. Just as faith is, your passion also informs how much God will use you. Have you not realized that those who did so much bad, who got transformed or born again, do much better than those who thought that they were not so bad and who got, they've been all good all their life, always been in, in school, not, never been in trouble with the police, never done anything illegal, you're always nice and everything. It's like when you get saved, it's like you don't go too far. 
because you don't you lack fervor. You lack certain passion that will push you over the edge. Are you getting what I'm saying? I think I wrote in the, in the book, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Contagious Church, that I had this friend who was a very bad boy in the area. Everybody knew about you. Everybody was scared of this guy because he was a very, very notorious boy. And then some of us were like, oh, we are Christians, but you know. Then one day we heard that this boy had become a Christian. When we heard that, he didn't really believe until we saw the guy. And the way the guy's passion, he overtook all of us. You know, the people we, we thought that we, we never went in so deep into being bad and now we have transformed but we are not too this guy just came and bypassed all of us into wild going into the nightclubs, talking to people, pulling people from the, the crack houses or he, he was so passionate going everywhere. We were even scared of him. That's how Paul became. Paul overtook all the Peters and the Matthews and the Lukes and all those who were there. He overtook all of them because he had a certain passion. When he was a bad man, he was passionate about being bad. So when he got transformed, he was more passionate about his transformation. And that's a key ingredient that most of us lack. Our passion is not there. So this Jesus thing will not tie it on our necks. I remember when I decided to resign from my work and become a missionary. My sister, who was, was an elder in the church, a deacon in the church, said, what are you doing? Did you kill Jesus? Why are you doing too much? Who will look after your, your wife and children? Now that you say you are becoming a missionary, you are going to kill yourself for Jesus. A person who was supposed to be a, an elder and a deacon in the church was the one who was discouraging me from going all out. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because most of us, we are, we are saved, but we are saved in the boat. We ain't going to get out of the boat in the middle of the water and walk on water. No, forget it. <laughs> it's safer here. <laughs> but those of us who stay in the boat and say it's safer here, we are the ones who don't get totally transformed. We are the ones who are not as usable to God as the ones who walk on the water. Because they are ready to go all out. If they say, Jesus says, come, I'm coming. I don't care whether it's the middle of the sea and one step can make me drown because I've heard his voice, I'm going. That is what brings total transformation. If you can be fervent. The, the problem we have with fervency is that as soon as you go fervent and you look around you and the people around you are not fervent, you begin to think that I am doing too much. 
And it makes you feel like maybe, maybe they, those who are in the boat know something I don't know. So you begin to walk back. But I want to encourage you that forget about those who are in the boat. It's true you came to meet them. They were in the boat when you came. But that is why they've been sitting there. But that is why Jesus went, came for you. Because he knew that those who are in the boat, they are not going anywhere. They will stay in the boat till we get to shore. So he's not bothering them. There are some of us who will never go beyond where we are. But some of us, it's time for us to get out of the boat. I say it's time for us to get out of the boat and go all out for Christ. Hallelujah. You know, I, I was thinking this afternoon that it's almost as if we don't have enough people now to send out in the church. It's almost as if CICC, we've run out of soldiers to send out. Because there are more people in the easy lane, more people in the boat who don't want to venture into ministry than they have those who want to go. So it's almost as if we have to now pause and wait for God to bring us people who come and bypass those of us who are sitting in the boat. I may be wrong, but that is, as I was reading the scripture, that's what came to me. I don't know whether it was the spirit of God was telling me that there is something wrong with the church now. Because those of us who are, here am I, send me have finished. Oh, I don't know whether it's my mind that's talking or Jesus that's talking to me, but that is what I heard, that either we are becoming too comfortable, maybe it's the, the fault is from me. That is what, probably why Jesus is still talking to me about it, that I'm making the people comfortable and not wanting to leave. I don't know. The room has gone quiet. Acts chapter 9 verse 9 says, For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. The Lord told him to go there for three days without food and drink. Hallelujah. How many are ready to go? How many are willing to go? How many are willing to spend three days in the dark without food or water? Or we are all in easy street, taking it easy, being in that lane where his comfort is assured. Because when he stay in Leeds, it's very comfortable. Isn't it? Hello? Ask these two gentlemen <laughs> how it feels like when they go. Because here it's already set. You just have to switch the, the, the lights on and, and play in churches. Because the, the, the boat is already on the water. 
So you sit in and it's cool. Cool, easy ride. But when you have to go and make a boat, and after you have made the boat, push it from the, the shore into the water by your, yourself and use one leg to, to paddle as you are pushing. You may easily curse, curse me for sending you. I'm not looking behind there because I know it has occurred to them a few times. Listen, I've been there many, many times. So it's so easy to catch the one who sent you. It's so easy. Because you have to die. The dying process is painful. You feel lonely and alone. You feel as if you've been abandoned. You feel as if they don't care about you. But that's a process. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says that in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision and said, Go and talk to this guy. Go to the house of Judas on a street called Street. A man of Tarsus named Saul is praying. Go and lay hands on him. Hallelujah. It's time for us to become passionate. The reason why God was, it was so easy for God to use Paul was that he was a passionate person. He had a passion. So when he had an encounter with Jesus. It was so easy to move to that depth. Hallelujah. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, the Bible says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Hallelujah. Do it with all your might. For there is no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave where you are going. So whatever your hand, if your hand has find this to do, then listen, don't stay in the boat. Don't stay in, inside the comfort zone. Move from yellow. Move from yellow straight to purple and become used by God. Hallelujah. I remember the first day my pastor came to me and said that leave the church and go and start a church outside London. I was the first to leave London. The church was in London. I was the first to leave London because the pastor himself was, has started a branch in Nottingham. He was doing London and then he went and preached in Nottingham. Everybody was afraid to cross the M25 <laughs> to go and start branch. I was the first. And the day I decided that I would go, the people who were in the boat came to me. The pastors. What is this that you have done? Because of what you have done from today, we have no excuse not to cross the M25. Because, because you have decided to go. It means all of us have to go. And they were not happy with me. Because I didn't cross to just the, I could have gone to work, uh, Watford or Bushy. <laughs> That's the end of London. But I went into the mid- Midlands. Uh, you get what I'm saying? I'm waiting for somebody to say, I'm tired of being here. It's time to go. I'm going. Yes, was it Sunday? Somebody came and said, oh, why have we not gone to 
they are ready to have us in, in Birmingham. Was it, was it last Sunday? He said, I'm from Birmingham. If the church will come, I'll host the church. I said, okay. I knew I don't have anybody, so I said, it's okay. <laughs> because we are all happy where we are. I think I've stopped preaching messages like this. That's why everybody has come comfortable here. <laughs> it's time to start preaching this type of messages. But how many understand what I'm saying? There's a certain passion that we are lacking. And that is what is making us not totally usable. I remember the day I told Kiran that don't stay here. I don't want you here again. Go and stay in Paul. Start the church there. Because he was the only keyboardist in the church. So he leaving means that our service, the quality of our service will drop. Isn't it? I said, I don't want to see you any Sunday. I don't want to see you here. Go and stay gone. But that is what it takes. If you are not ready to sacrifice, you are not ready to be used. Pastor Gloria wants to continue the preaching. No, I don't want to continue preaching. I, I just, as you were just saying, I realized that it's not that we can't even go. It's our reasoning. Because if we get a mega job in Birmingham, we can't give a testimony that we are going to Birmingham by the grace of God. Because God has opened the door and made a way. So it's not that we can't cross the M1 or M62. It's we don't have cross it for, Jesus. For, for Jesus. But as for the cross, we will cross, but not that for Jesus. Basically what I'm trying yes. To. We, we, we will go when it's a job, but we won't cross it for Jesus. That's, that's, that one is not going to happen. Hallelujah. Well, it's not going to happen. We, we, will not, we can't cross. Because to go, it will, it's, it's something that, hey, what if? What if? What if? All of a sudden, you see what if. But if it was a job, there won't be any what if. Acts chapter 18. <laughs> the message is changing, isn't it? <laughs> Please don't get angry with me. Even if you get angry with me, I don't. <laughs> Acts 18.24. The Bible said, now a certain... Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and, a might, and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man, was in, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, being fervent, being passionate in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord and and though he knew only the baptism of John, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, they, the brethren wrote, exhorting the, the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who were, had believed through grace, hallelujah. 
Now, the scripture is saying that Apollos was a passionate guy, even though he didn't know much. So when he came, he didn't know much, but he was passionate. And the passion that he had made him a candidate to be used by God. So all that he needed was Aquila and Priscilla to call him aside. Say, Listen, your preaching is good, but you're only preaching up to John. <laughs> you are missing the main ingredient of the gospel. You can't stop at John. You have to add Jesus. So they explained to him. And that is what made Apollos a very, very important figure in the New Testament. So he came far after everybody. He didn't know much, but he had passion. He had passion. And passion is a result of faith. Passion is a derivative of faith. Because without faith, you cannot be passionate. Hallelujah. Can I give one more then we go home? Are you learning something? The third one is faithfulness in service. In verse 15, that's Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Then, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Ananas, get going quickly. So Ananas went and said, Brother Saul, the Lord that spoke to you on the way here is the same Lord that spoke to me that I should come and lay hands on you. So the Bible said he laid hands on him and prayed for him. And immediately thy scales out, fell out of his eyes. He began to see. Verse 20 is what I want you to look at. Verse 20. Immediately, someone say immediately. Immediately he preached the, the, the he preached Christ in the synagogue that he was the son of God. Immediately after he had received his eyesight back, he became passionate and faithfully preached the gospel. The same place he was coming to arrest Christians is the same place he stood to preach Jesus as the son of God. He responded to the call immediately. He didn't have to go and think about it. You know, as soon as you delay... Delay means cancellation. A lot of people will go, but let me think about it. It means you are not going. Are you with me? Oh, let me go and discuss with my wife. Forget it. (laughs) By the time you have gone to discuss, I know the answer you are coming to give me. The answer is what? Response must be immediate. Listen, All of us sitting in this room, you have enough inside of you to pastor a church. Ah, I lost the church right there. I lost the church right there. That very point was when I lost everybody. I think you know more than Paul at this time. Because he didn't know anything. He was extremely 
anti-gospel. Up to this point, he has an encounter. He is prayed for. He doesn't know much. All he knows is Judaistic teachings. The Torah is all he knows. But the Bible says immediately he began. You see, until you begin to preach, you won't know you know much. Until you begin to preach, you won't learn. The reason why your reading of the Bible is very haphazard and not very, very um, serious is because you don't think that you require, much is required out of you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If, you, if I make, make you a teacher of a subject, immediately you will do a lot more research on the subject because you don't want to go embarrass yourself. I'm not making sense. So you will spend more time in studying. Until then, you know, I'll read. If I were to ask any, everyone here, how many chapters you've read since Sunday till now? There'll be a problem here. But if you know you don't know much and you have to go and teach Sunday in, Sunday out, and you don't know the question that somebody will throw at you in the middle of it, you will study. Hallelujah. You will study. And you will get to know. Apollos didn't know much. But if you go to um, Corinthians there, and you hear the way they describe Apollos, from this place to he was more he was more respected than Paul. They felt that he knew more than Paul. That's why when he went, I am of Apollos. Then some say, No, I'm of Paul. Because when they listen to Apollos preaching, they say, No, 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 no. I think we like this one better than that one. For to the point that even Saul was intimidated by Apollos. Even Saul was intimidated by because Apostles' passion and zeal that he preached with was higher and mightier than Paul. Paul's preaching was not as impressive. His writing was more impressive than his preaching. But Apollos' preaching was very powerful. But I'm just trying to say that he didn't know much. But when he was converted and because of the passion and the faithful, he faithful, faithfully studied. Amen. And God put the spirit inside of him that made him somebody that could be used. Hallelujah. I'm not making sense to somebody. So t- today, it's time for you to, number one, have what? Faith. Number two, be fervent. Stop this mediocre type of worship. It's like you pray today, tomorrow you forget. You read the Bible today, tomorrow you forget to read the Bible. You come to church this Wednesday, next week, Wednesday, you are not here. Two Wednesdays, three Wednesdays, you are not really into it. You say you are here, but you are not. That will not work. Hallelujah. And faithfulness, consistency is what you need. Stand to your feet.